Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Potomac Perspective. I'm Neil Shapiro, head of corporate communications at Stiefel, joined as always by our chief Washington policy strategist, Brian Gardner. Hello, Brian. How are you? Good morning, Neil. I'm doing well, getting ready for the second week of the NFL playoffs, and I my Giants going to fill. Yep. I can't I'm, believe I'm going to be gorging myself all week on cheesesteaks. I can't wait. Yep. And you've got uh, it's the Saturday night game, I think. Saturday night. Yep. To t- you know, it, it, it's a tough one for the Giants because they have the ter- quick turnaround week and the Eagles have had off, obviously, for, uh, a week. But uh, that's that's the way the ball rolls. And again, you know, like I've said before, I think we talked about it in the last podcast. If we were having this conversation in August or September and you told me. You take it. Absolutely. In you a take it. Yep. And, and you, you and I have talked before. I think we talked about it in terms of baseball. But, you know, having that extra time off sometimes in football, it's a little different because it lets you get healthy. And that extra week is good, you know, for health wise. But the momentum is all, you know, on the giant side yeah, for sure. You know, after I think we win. need to go back and revisit that because I think you and I talked about that going into the baseball playoffs. And I think we might have been we did. wrong on that. So, uh... yeah, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, Football, it's a little different because in baseball, I feel like, you know, the rest physically isn't is not as important as it is for football, um, especially the Eagles had uh, Jalen Hurts was all banged up. I'm not yeah. even 100 percent sure how healthy he is, but it's definitely um, definitely shaping up to be a good game. And I'm looking forward to the whole weekend, the whole slate of games. Absolutely. Well, you know, Brian, let's maybe we stick with the football terminology for a little bit and um we look at Washington and it looks like we are on the clock and we're not talking about a draft, but maybe um, the whole debate over the debt ceiling, I guess, you know, uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen sent a letter to Congress. She said the U.S. is likely going to reach the debt ceiling any day now. Um, should we be concerned? What does it mean for investors? How big a deal is this? So as you and I are talking, it's Wednesday. Um, uh, her letter said that tomorrow, Thursday, the U.S. will hit the debt limit. And in the in the near term, that really doesn't matter um, because Treasury has these things they re- that are referred to as extraordinary measures. They're basically delaying payments to uh, government pension funds and the like. And th- those those folks are made whole later. But it, it, it allows Treasury to kind of manage and muddle along, even though the, the debt ceiling has been reached. Um, those extraordinary measures don't last forever. You exhaust them at some point. And um, the Yellen letter said mid-June at the earliest, um, so probably going to be later than that. Um, and all this depends on cash flow, so what a tax receipt's looking like the next couple of months. Um, there's a group here in D.C., the Bipartisan Policy Center. They track this. They put out a, an estimate a couple of months ago, and they'll probably be revising it soon. Um, they said uh, the third quarter is the date, and we refer to this as the X date when the extraordinary measures are exhausted. Third quarter is the X date sometime in there. So we'll, we'll get a, a, a better idea um, as we get closer what the actual X date is, but definitely sometime or almost certainly sometime over the summer. Right. So obviously we do have some or Congress has some time to deal with this and avoid a crisis, in your opinion. It does in theory, um, but you know Congress rarely acts unless there's a crisis. So 
Uh, it's going to be a frenetic couple of weeks, both politically and at some point for the markets. Um, you know, there's a bit of a conundrum here, Neil, um, because there there'll be some people on Capitol Hill that will look at the financial markets, and obviously there's some volatility due to the Fed and earnings season, but they won't see a crisis within the financial markets um, because the the financial markets are not paying attention yet to the debt ceiling. Um, and so it, it gives some in Congress a false sense of calm and security. Um, at some point, this happened in uh, 2011, um, you know, the markets are going to wake up and start paying attention. And that kind of jolts Congress into action um, because they see the markets moving. But, you know, kind of one feeds off the other. It's, it's, a, it's a kind of a perverse incentive. So when when there actually is movement and when we do get some movement by Congress on this, what do you think, uh, based on history and your experience, what do you think investors should expect? So, you know, we go through debt ceiling standoffs every couple of years. They are rarely this contentious. So when you're looking for something that, that's a, a, a good comp, um, I, I look at 2011. Um, that's the last time that it came this, that it got really close uh, to a default. Uh, there was actually a downgrade by S&P following the resolution of the crisis, but there was still a downgrade. So th this is a, this is the bet. To me, 2011 is the best comp. Um, the first half of that year, markets like now mostly ignore the debt ceiling headlines. Um, things changed in early July. All of a sudden, it became clear that a political deal would be hard to reach and investors started had to recalibrate and start to think that chances of a default were real. Um, so eventually there was an agreement, but it took a couple of weeks. And the agreement between President Obama and Speaker Boehner, that was reached in mid-August. During that six-week period, July into August, the S&P sold off by about 18%, <clears throat> which is pretty notable in a short period of time. Um, keep in mind, the, the market was down about 18% for the past year. So we're squeezing that into a six-week period. And the barn market rallied in kind of a classic risk-off trade. And that could surprise some people because um, you would think the prospects of a, of a default would be bad for bonds, but it, it was a flight to safety um, in, into U.S. bonds, so into government bonds. So the bond market did rally. Um, the stock market would eventually stabilize, but then make some new lows in the fall and didn't fully recover to its pre-crisis levels until February of, of 2012. So it, it, it took a couple of months to get through that. Yeah, I do remember that. And and um, do, do you think that kind of scenario could play out again? Is that likely, do you think? Yes. Um, but this time could be even tougher. The negotiating positions of each side and the political situation faced by Speaker McCarthy um, it's going to be tougher to reach a deal this time. Um, House Republicans don't really have an end game yet. They have an entry game. They want they want a standoff. They they want to get concessions in return for a debt ceiling increase, but they don't have a, a consensus within the party about what those concessions should look like and how to achieve them. So um, there's no end game there. Um, and then on the on the flip side, I, I think, you know, an unappreciated point is that the White House and Democrats, they're demanding a clean debt ceiling increase without any compromises. Um, 
They, they said they're not going to compromise. They're not going to negotiate. And that's not a tenable situation either. No, that seems ridiculous. Now, I've also seen some of these, um, I don't know if they're crazy ideas, but there have been some ideas floating around that could potentially allow Congress to get out of this situation altogether, uh, altogether, or how to potentially deal with payments if they can't come to this sort of debt ceiling agreement. Um, can you explain how that might work? So uh, over the last couple of weeks, Listeners may have seen some headlines regarding two proposals. They're not they're they're not really related, um, although they're both regarding the debt ceiling. One is kind of a procedural issue. It's called a discharge petition. It's in the House. Discharge petition is you've got a, a bill that's in a committee. The committee's not moving it. It's not getting to the floor. Two hundred and eighteen members, a simple majority, come together. They sign this petition to discharge it and get it to the floor. A discharge petition um, that's been floated as a possible way to get that clean debt ceiling increase um, doesn't really work well in a crisis um, because uh, in the in the near term, trying to get at least six Republicans to join the 212 Democrats is nearly impossible. Um, even moderate Democrat, uh, moderate Republicans, excuse me, who, who want to, you know, are, are worried about the debt ceiling uh, crisis and want to get a deal and are, might be open to a, a clean increase, um, but they certainly want to negotiate over it. They're not going to, to sign a discharge petition right now. Um, and by the time you get to that point, the crisis point of getting that 218 and then getting it to the floor, and I'm not going to bore people with some of the inside baseball and the other procedural issues. It just it doesn't mean it automatically comes up the next day. You know, the leadership could punt it for another week or two or three if they wanted to. Um, so it's not a practical solution to the political problem. Um, then is this idea of prioritization. Um, this was floated going back to, to 2011. It's never been fully flushed out. It's not law now. Um, it would have to become a law, um, which is another problem. Um, but it's how Treasury would prioritize it payments. Um, and you could see that raises a host of political problems. Who's going to get paid first and who's left hole in the bag? Who are you going to choose between Wall Street bondholders and grandma's Social Security check? <laughs> well, Social Security check is obviously going to go first. Um, uh, bondholders were going to go further down the line. Military? I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, veterans? Food stamps? Uh, payments to state and local governments? Uh, it, it gets very, very complicated um, at the political level of choosing who to prioritize. The other is it's absolute fantasy to think that government computer, uh, computer systems can be reprogrammed to prioritize hundreds of billions of dollars in payments. Remember, overall spending by the federal government is in the $3 trillion range. So we'll, we'll whittle it back a little bit because payments at any given time are obviously not that large, but we're still dealing in hundreds of billions of dollars. And just think in the last couple of, in the last week, the crisis with the FAA, where their computer system went down and grounded all flights in the United States. 
put that across the entire federal government and all yeah. payments that go out of the federal government go out from the federal government in that kind of situation something is going to be wrong it, it's yeah. almost guaranteed these systems some of them are 30 years old yeah right um so good luck um something's going to go wrong and whatever goes wrong is probably going to be catastrophic yeah i think that's that's the safe bet i would say so all right so now that you've laid off all this out for for us um what do you what do you expect for a resolution what do you think it ultimately happens so now that i've given all of our listeners the warm and fuzzies about how it's going to be a great year in washington um so in all seriousness it's really hard to handicap this uh, how it's going to play out and i you start you have with to. That's, why, that's why we pay you brian that, that's why i'm getting paid the big bucks yep um yeah i'm getting handicap i'm getting paid to handicap a three trillion dollar um budget so and Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm worth every penny. Um, of course. So it it is hard to handicap this. Um, I, I start out with the presumption that an agreement is likely because it it has to be. It has the debt ceiling has to be raised. There's no failure is not an option. There's there's no other option here. Um, however, given the current political situation. Um, the chances of the White House, Congress dropping the ball, they're greater than they normally are. I mean, like we said, we, you know, you've got a five seat majority uh, in the House. Um, and so, you know, you, you also have a group of House Republicans, um, not all of them, but there is a small group. Uh, I think who are more anarchists than they are conservatives. Um, and in a in a house where you have only a four seat majority, those folks have a lot of leverage. Um, so seeing if McCarthy can get a deal with the White House that can pass the House and then for him to keep his speakership, th- this, this could result, you know, any deal he gets could result in the end of his speakership. Um, so that that's uh, that makes it tougher to um, to quantify the odds that the, the that Congress and the White House might actually fail this time. I do think they get to a deal. Um, I, I think that's the default premise, but it's going to be really messy, messier probably than 2011 was. Yeah. Messy, messy start and a messy middle and maybe a messy end. If I'm listening to you correctly for, yep. uh, the house speaker. Yep. Um, okay. Well, that was a good prediction. You know what? We didn't talk about this, but let's end on a prediction of your giants, right? Since you just tried to handicap, I think handicapping giants Eagles might be easier based on everything that you've just laid out than handicapping the whole debt ceiling um, debate. So let's get your prediction. I'm not going to ask you to predict for all the games, but for your Giants, what's your, what's your score prediction? I know, you're, you, I know you have the Giants winning, but what score, by what score? 22 to 21 with Daniel Jones running in a two-point conversion as time expires. Well, you're not going to like this because I'm, I'm going with Philly. In the battle of the two Penn State running backs, Barkley and Sanders, um, I say Philly 27, Giants 23. But it'll be a game all the way to the end. So at the very least, it'll be a good game. That's, that's no, I, I, I get it. You're a Jets fan and and you can't root for your green. So you'll root for somebody else's green. That That's fine. I, I get it. Yeah, but you know, I'm a, also a big Mets fan, and I, I'm not rooting for Philadelphia for any professional <laughs> sport. So that's true. Well, Brian, listen, it's been great. I think we're out of time. Enjoy the games this weekend. Thanks, Neil.
and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. And thanks to everybody uh, for listening. That's it for this um, edition of Potomac Perspective, and we'll see everybody next time.